when I feel that like emotional connection with someone, I feel like I, I have like the rose rose tinted glasses on. Yeah, you know, and I just find everybody beautiful. Hey. And welcome to Not Your China Doll, the podcast featuring 25-year-old Asian-American women who share their stories of growing up in 21st century America. Even though there's a connection between our race and our gender, our individual experiences are what make each episode of this podcast so different. My name is Samantha Chan, and I'm the host, producer, and the creative thinker behind this project. This podcast will feature five 25-year-old Asian-American women because, one, I am one, and two, because I think we bring an interesting perspective on not only life, because we're in this weird, not a teenager, not fully responsible adult stage, but also because we are all first-generation Asian-Americans. Even though our parents and grandparents come from different parts of Asia, the five of us all grew up here. But we grew up trying to keep up with American culture while simultaneously trying to incorporate our Asian culture. Today, I'm speaking with someone who I feel like I've known for many years. Since college, I've heard about this girl's adventures through our many mutual friends. But it wasn't until recently that I finally met Emma and personally experienced her lovely presence. Emma's parents immigrated to Los Angeles, California from Seoul, South Korea, when they were about 20 years old. Shortly after Emma was born, they moved to Virginia, where Emma and her younger brother grew up. She went to college in New York and is currently a third-year law student at the George Washington University. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't know how to have a good time either. So let's just get started. Emma, can you start off by telling me a little bit more about what your focus in law school is? I'm interested mostly in intellectual property, okay. um, more more the soft IPs like uh, copyright and trademark. Um, I I eventually want to really want to work in the music industry or um, something in entertainment. Um, because I want to work with creative clients. Mm -hmm. I, I think intellectual property is what you kind of want to be familiar with when you're when you're working with clients whose value comes from like uh, ideas or creative works. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Did you always want to be a lawyer? Um, mm -hmm. What made you decide to go? Yeah. Um, I graduated undergrad with very little direction, but basically the real reason why I'm going to law school is because my dad told me to go. If I had my way, I'd probably be living in New York in like a shithole apartment and doing a really shit job like at some like production company or something like that, you know? But at the same time, I, by the time that I graduated undergrad, I was like, okay, this is, like, I can't do this. I can't live this kind of life. Mm -hmm. You know, my education is already at a level that, that puts me at a level of responsibility, like that is way too high for me to waste time doing something that would make me happy, but also put me kind of at the bottom of the totem pole, Right. you know? 
So, like, for the longest time, I, you know, when I went to undergrad, my, I was pre-med for the first, like, year. Mm-hmm. And I quickly realized that that was not the life for me. I was not about, um, you know, st- spending the night in the library all the time. Like, you know, having these, like, long-ass study parties that were actually study parties. Like, I, I, I couldn't stand it. Yeah. Because, you know... My passion is people. I love to get to know people. And, you know, when I'm around people, I don't, I don't want to, like, study. You know, I, I want to talk about, like, like, their lives and, you know, what they're interested in and what they're passionate about. And, you know, just, like, get to know them on a, on a soul level, you know. So, um, yeah, med school was definitely not an option for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I graduated with a psych degree and a minor in Spanish and cinema studies. Like, what the fuck am I going to do with that, you know? Um, and I think really what it came down to is my, my dad realized this, that, like, you know, I, these, are the, these were things that I cared about, but they, they give me no direction for the future. Right. And he didn't, he didn't want to see me, um, you know, just, like, struggle. You know, he wanted to give me a more definite future, mm-hmm. you know. So, long story short, honestly, that is why I'm in law school. Right. You know, now that I'm here, I fully, I, I think that I fully realize the privilege that the, this education gives me. You know, like, the law touches everything that we do. Yeah. Everything, literally everything that we do is touched in some way by, by like regulations and rules. You know, it, I think law school is it, it, such a privilege to, to experience because it really kind of prepares you for any kind of situation. Um, even though I came in a little bit directionless, I have the utmost like appreciation and you know, like, respect for this experience that I, I can have, mm-hmm. you know. So you don't like talking about law school, though? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Um, because, you know, I just, I like to, I like to get to know people. I like to, like, you know, talk about the films that they're interested in or, like, the kind of music they listen to, um, you know. I like to... Uh, pry into the creative minds of people. Okay, so can you tell me a little bit more about your parents and what their American Dream story was? My parents, my mom was completely alone, pretty much, in Korea. Um, You know, she had a really horrible family life. Um... And pretty much both of her parents just kind of left. And she was raised by her grandparents. Um, but they, you know, they were like really old. And, you know, so she kind of found herself alone again. And I think that in high school, she was really searching for family. You know, she wanted to feel connected to somebody that she was related to. Because the family that she had in Korea was didn't treat her well, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think they looked down on her because her parents left her, you know? And in 
in Korea at that time, society was, you know, just ruthless. Right. You know? Um, so I think she felt very lonely and she felt lost and she wanted to reconnect with her mom in America. So, you know, they, but she was dating my dad in high school, you know, they were like high school sweethearts and, um, like my dad didn't want her to go alone, you know? So he kind of left everything that he knew behind, all his, his family behind and like went to America with her to like find her mom and, and establish a relationship with her. Right. You know, I mean, and to, to, to start a family too, you know, that was part of it. I think that my dad, his, his American dream was just to like take care of my mom pretty much, you know, like everything that he does is to take care of my, my mom and like, you know, and, and my mom's American dream was to to find family, I think, mm -hmm. you know, just find somewhere where she felt like, like close to other people, you know, I don't know, it's, I don't know. And do you think they found that? Nothing turns out perfectly, you know, but I think that, um, like, with, with the cards they were dealt, they did a really f fucking good job, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really cannot complain. I mean, like, you know, my life has been incredible. Like, I'm so lucky, you know, I have two parents that love me, like, you know, like, a lot of people don't get that, and, yeah. You know. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I can't talk about my parents without getting emotional. And why, why is that? Because you know that they love you so much? I mean, it's it's almost like it hurts how much they care. Like, it, it like, it simultaneously, like, fills up my heart and breaks it, you know? Like, I just, I feel their love so, so very much, you know? Yeah. Like, everything they do is for me and my brother. Mm -hmm. Everything they do is for our family, and... I don't know, I'm just like, how did I get so lucky? So, I know you and your mom actually share a tattoo. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that story? Yeah, so, um, pretty recently, I think... I think it was this last past summer uh -huh. um but me and my mom she's been badgering me about getting tattoos like for a, a long time like, like she wants she them. she like she wanted one yeah yeah um i mean it took her a really long time to figure out what she wanted because she was like afraid of the regret you know um but finally I know. she I know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but finally she kind of um landed on a tiara because you know she's a super super like feminine girly woman and you know everybody all of her friends call her princess and stuff like she has like in korean we call it um like it's like it just means that you're like really princessy um i'm sure all my korean listeners will know yeah um so she, yeah she she got a little prince princess like tiara on her wrist mm -hmm. um but we also got um little matching hearts on our ankles it's like very basic 
you know, but uh, she was like really concerned about the pain and everything. And, and we wanted to put it in somewhere, somewhere a little bit discreet, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was important for us that we had like the same shape, the same size and the same location. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really does the trick. You know, every time I look at my ankle, like I'm reminded of my mom, you know, and it makes me happy, you know, like yeah. that I have this like connection with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So while on that, can you tell me about your other tattoos? Yeah. <laughs> um, so at this par the the tattoo shop that we went to, um, they had like a a minimum price of like eighty bucks or something, <laughs> and because we wanted to like be frugal with it, like we were like we can't just get dinky little hearts and pay eighty dollars each. Like that's absurd, you know. So we decided to ball out and get uh, two tattoos on the same day. Um, and so uh, the other tattoo that I got apart from the heart what were um, sweet peas on my, on my back. And um, it's, it's honestly something that I chose like spur of the moment. Um, it's the April flower. And I think it means something like, uh, can I look it up actually? Yeah. Um, so according to reference.com, <laughs> I don't know how accurate this will be. Um, Yeah, but sweet peas symbolize bliss or delicate pleasure and may also be used to indicate someone leaving after a positive experience. And I think that kind of sounds like a bad thing, but I I found like beauty in that um, because I think I I kind of consider myself a person who. who like falls in love really quickly, but kind of falls out of love really quickly. And so I, I don't know, I think it, I think it, I felt a connection with, with the meaning, you know, so I didn't hesitate. And I think they turned out really beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. So what's your view on relationships then? My previous view of relationships was, um, I didn't want one. I didn't want to be in one. Um, Um, I don't feel like I need one and I don't feel like I'm capable of having one. Um, partly because I think that I really do like fall in love with people every day and I don't know if I can honestly like commit myself to one person and, you know, like be there for them in that way. Mm-hmm. But honestly, my view on relationships has changed recently. You know, I met somebody that really confuses me, you know. Um, I really thought that I knew what I wanted and, you know, the, the fact is like, I, I still do look at people and, you know, I just, like, like, I can't help but, like, appreciate their beauty, their presence, you know, um, just, like, what they're all about, but it's, like, I don't know, I just, like, want to be around this person all the time, you know, I'd, like, I don't feel like any time with this person is wasted, mm-hmm. um, and... You know, I just, like, I don't know. I feel like 
being with this one person is okay. Anyways. So if you don't mind me asking, is this special someone a he or a she? It's a she. Alright. What's your favorite memory? I mean, there have been so many, so many good, good memories. I, I th honestly, I think that it was our first date. Okay. Yeah. And what made that first date special or well, memorable? Well, honestly, it was the very first date that I went on with a person that I was seeing this consistently. I don't know, with this person, it was just like so easy like to get to know, you know? Well, what did that feel like being out on this date? For the first time, I guess, but also with a woman. Um, yeah, that was definitely my first date with a girl. And I, I definitely felt the stares, you know. I definitely definitely felt people noticing us. Um, which I didn't really expect to in D.C., you know. It's, like, pretty um, open-minded, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely still felt recognized because you know we were like dressed up it was valentine's day it was just the two of us and you know i think it was like pretty obvious that we were on a date mm -hmm. um and you know the feeling noticed kind of sucked it did there was this weird like like dichotomy of like you know i feel so normal and good and natural doing this but i notice that other people do not feel the same way about me yeah you know because it it made me feel like oh i'm doing something noticeable how did you know that you were bisexual um honestly okay so it like it really kind of came out of the blue you know it's like I definitely, I think I have been in denial for a very, very long time, okay? Um, I can remember all throughout undergrad and, all, and definitely in high school as well, I've always been really, really interested in, um, like, gay content. Like, a lot of the entertainment websites that I would visit, like, they were, like, for gay people, like targeted for gay audiences and stuff. And, and, you know, sexuality has always really, really intrigued me, even, um, you know, like touching on it in throughout like the various psych classes that I've taken. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, you know, because of, I mean, I guess because of the way that I was raised, like, I just really, really wanted it to not be true, you know? Like, I really, really wanted to just, like, keep it on the on the back burner for mm -hmm. forever, you know? Yeah. Like, I think that, like, looking back on my life, I, I can recognize instances of attraction to women that I, like, I just convinced myself was like normal like straight girl stuff you know like straight girl feelings like like oh no 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 I don't want to be with her I just want to be her friend her really good friend <laughs> you know yeah yeah um but yeah like it really happened like just so 
all of a sudden, um, like, I just, you know, it's like that's super, super stereotypical. Like, you just get way too wasted one night with one of your friends, and then, like, you know, just, like, shit starts happening, and, like, you just kind of fall Close into it. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. And, um, yeah, so that happened, and I was, like, I, like, I would be just straight up bold face lying to myself if I told myself that I didn't enjoy that you know Mm -hmm. that's just a lie yeah you know are you more attracted to women or men um I find it really really easy to connect emotionally with women you know yeah I I just feel so comfortable around other girls um but I, I am also really, really attracted to male energy, you know, like the masculine mind, like, you know, the testosterone filled yeah. like mind. Like, I, I like that, too, you know, um, in an emotional scale, like I'm more drawn to women and on a physical scale, it's kind of more even. So do you think that you being bisexual has to do with you just your general love and interest in people? I think that's absolutely true. I feel like very often I have no physical criteria for who I find attractive. Mm -hmm. When I find somebody whose soul I feel like I connect with, it just makes me dizzy. Like I can't, like my head is in like a fog and I can't see out of it, you know? When I feel that like emotional connection with someone, I feel like I, I have, like, the rose, rose-tinted rose glasses on. Yeah. You know, and I just find everybody beautiful. hmm You know? Like, it really doesn't matter. I really feel attracted to feminine women. I feel attracted to masculine men. And I feel attracted to everybody in between. Like, everybody has their their special little little thing. Does your mom know? that you're bisexual? My my mom has explicitly told me that she thinks that kids who come out are selfish. Um, and the last thing that I want to do to my mom is, is to be selfish, you know? Like, I know logically that that's, that doesn't really make sense, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not something that you can, you can control. You can't control who you love. Yeah. That's, completely and totally not something you can change about yourself right um but the fact that i know that my mom thinks it's selfish makes me feel like it's selfish you know and if i could fall in love with a man so that i i'm not look like seen as selfish by my mother i will i want to Mm -hmm. you know i think that I'm prepared to do it, but I don't want to. So that's Emma's story, or really just a small glimpse into her life. What I hope this episode, as well as others on this podcast, demonstrates is that even though we, as Asian American women, share a similar perspective, there's also something special and different about each of us that showcases the true beauty of our individual stories. 
I chose to have Emma's story first because I think on the surface, she seems like the exemplary Asian American daughter, the one who will become a lawyer, just like so many of our Asian parents wish their own daughters were. But at the same time, as you begin to unravel this surface Asian, there's also so much more to her, like this unexpected desire for creativity and just general sense of passion for life that the title Emma the Lawyer just doesn't do justice. And I think a lot of women, including myself, can relate to this sense of depth and unraveling. My hope is that despite your race, gender, or sexuality, hopefully you found something thought-provoking in Emma's story. Or maybe you found your own story similar to hers. Many times, we don't see our own lives as something interesting or worth telling someone about, but I believe otherwise. And so, if you liked this episode, please share this podcast with your friends. I think that it's time Asian American women got their chance to share their stories. My name is Samantha Chan, and thank you for listening to Not Your China Doll.